Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Bugle Ashes Zaltcast review of a tumultuous final day of the Lord's Test, which ended up with England 2-0 up in the series in terms of moral victories that they are claiming, but 2-0 down in reality. It was a truly extraordinary day, uh, the highlight of which was another entry from Ben Stokes into the list of most extraordinary innings in the entire history of cricket. Uh, He has, again, proved himself to be one of the greatest situational players that cricket has ever seen. Uh, Took a game that was slipping away from England and turned it in different ways, initially in his partnership with Duckett, with restraint and care and precision, and then with the kind of volcanic eruption that few players who've ever played the game can achieve. Unfortunately, from an English point of view, and from a series point of view, really, he fell short this time, uh, caught with about 70 runs still needed uh, of Josh Hazelwood, having scored 155 and set numerous records in the process. I found myself at that moment, and I think I'm generally pretty objective when I watch cricket, and I sort of want England to win, but I really just love cricket, and I love seeing good games. I did want England to win this game for the because I want to see a classic series and I really wanted it to be one all. But I felt sort of choked on a human level. It was, um, you know, you'd seen uh, someone do something so incredible and fall short and he looked so disappointed, understandably, uh, particularly for, for, from a team that says they don't really care about the result. It really looked like he cared about the result as it's looked throughout his incredibly competitive uh, career. Um, it was an extraordinary passage of play, either side of lunch, uh, that was sparked by the controversial stumping of Johnny Bairstow. Uh, controversial not in uh, the sense of the laws in any way. He was clearly out. Controversial in, as it tends to be in cricket, when the spirit of cricket, this nebulous, vague idea that is selectively uh, cited when it's convenient for people, was called upon yet again. We will discuss this in further detail. Uh, at the end of it, it was... Another incredibly dramatic match, a very odd match in which there was a lot of quite bad cricket because of the domination of bouncers, which was because of how little the ball and the pitch were doing for the seamers. And bear in mind the quality of seamers in this game. I think that is a bit of an issue for this this series so far. Uh, but Lords has never been quite as angry as it was yesterday, which led to a sort of febrile, ang- uh, furious atmosphere, but also some incredibly bad behaviour, particularly from the MCC members uh, who abused some of the Australian players in ways that um, it may turn out were 
very, very bad indeed. So, to discuss this with me, um, uh, and I'm only just calming down the following morning um, and still churning it all over in my head to join me to talk about it, someone who can maybe bring a bit of objective distance to it, producer Chris. Uh, Chris, what what was it like following this game as a as a cricket fan away from Lords? Because I've, I've in the, when I've been there in the, I remember the 2013 Nottingham Test, first Test of the Ashes, a classic match again that fluctuated uh, both ways and ended up with England winning by was it 14 or 15 runs. I, I was working on a comedy series with Rory Bremner, follow, follow, and we were both. He's a big cricket fan, and we were following the scores, and I just found myself in this sort of churn of nervous tension throughout. It was. It was. Absolutely impossible to get away from the, the TV, uh, with the one exception. Actually, when it got to the lunch break, I was so stressed out, I had to put my earphones on and just go for a walk around the block. And and I, I, that, I'm not I'm not that kind of guy who needs to go and do that. It was it was I, I thought one of the most um, astonishing, brilliant, shocking days of of Test cricket I've ever seen, and watching it at home I was constantly flicking between the TV coverage the radio coverage I had Twitter and Instagram constantly scrolling for each and I, I just was in that rhythm like that waves where you know I'd be I'd be looking on Twitter and then I'd be like oh the bowl is running in and I'd then I'd be like gripping the sofa and then the ball would be delivered <laughs> there'd be a whole nother subplot would have emerged and then I'd be back finding out what's going on and it was it was it was it was astonishing and, and I think you, you made the point at, um before we started, Andy, I'm exhausted, <laughs> and I, I was on the sofa with the exception of one walk around the block. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm absolutely emotionally drained. I've just been sitting in the commentary box, looking up things on my laptop during the game. Um, <laughs> I don't know how the players deal with it, and they have today, tomorrow, and the next day off, and then they have to do it again, headingly, um, and particularly for the bowlers who have been banging it in the fast bowlers, which, as all fast bowlers will, will tell you. Is a bit knackering, um, and uh, yeah, very occasionally I'll meet some unconverted non-cricket fan who'll say, "Oh, it's not a real sport, is it?" And you see, you see what fast bowlers have to do on a pitch like that. And uh, I mean, to be honest, I think you know a proper twelve-round world title fight was, was probably about the same level of exertion that we've seen from some of the quicks in this game, yeah. um, and also some some of the tail end batters taking the bouncer barrels. There's been so many players hit. In the upper body, mm. the arms, helmet, a number of helmet and concussion checks. Um, it was an extraordinary game, probably the closest there's been for cricket history fans to the to the body line test in terms of the the tumult of the crowd, the nature of the bowling. Um, uh, so and that so this is the narrative of Stokes's innings is that yeah he was sixty two off one hundred and twenty six I think when Bairstow yep. was out and then got sixty eight off the next thirty five and then reined it in a bit and was just waiting and waiting for the right ball to hit and Australia bowled a bit more craftily at him kept it further outside his off stump so he couldn't play those extraordinary leg side whacks into the the mound and tavern stands and and eventually one of those balls got him out. Um, but I don't think it was driven by fury. I think he'd have done that if Bears had just been clean bowled, yeah. as looked a good possibility as he was driving at pretty much everything. It, it, that was just the situation of the game. At that point, he had to go hard. But it made for a better human story, particularly with the tumult of the crowd around him, to see this as a personal vengeance mission. Before the game started, Andy, we, we talked about the, the team selection and the, the, the broader number eight. And it would have been fascinating to see 
what England, what Stokes would have done had Moeen Ali or Chris Wokes walked in at number eight. Because, I mean, Stokes was, Stokes probably turned down 30 runs on offer to yeah. to keep himself on strike in a way that he maybe wouldn't have done if he'd had a more competent number eight beside him. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, that's, I mean, he is, he does calculate situations with this extraordinary clarity. Um, and, well, Broad was interesting because Broad, as we talked about quite a lot, uh, in a almost a different life, was a seriously good yep. lower middle order player, batting number eight, numerous 50s, uh, got that 100 against Pakistan. But, you know, a lot of really good innings against really good bowling attacks when he was 21, 22. And that is a, a long, long time ago. But there are moments when the situation is clear, as it was yesterday, exactly what he had to do, when he can still sort of roll back those years. And he he, he batted with amazing sort of determination, courage against these short balls uh, for someone who's, you know, had problems with them in the past, got a really nasty blow on the head, in the uh, on the chin in the first innings. Um so that made and Broad was really, really furious mm. and was, you know, telling the Alex Carey that that's all he's going to be remembered for, pointing at Pat Cummins, saying this is all your fault. Um, uh, and we okay, well let's let's talk about the Bearstow yep. uh, stumping, which has split cricketing opinion, um, largely but not exclusively upon uh, national lines. Andy, I thought it was, um, I think it exposed cricket a game with so many laws not rules that <laughs> even it doesn't have enough and or, or they are badly explained for, for me it becomes relevant um if a team is trying to score runs if a team is actively in play trying to participate then the ball is not dead and and I think it was it it appeared to me it appeared to the umpires at the time that no run was going to be attempted, and it seems logical that that would have been, in in my mind, have been considered a dead ball. And the idea of someone being out for that doesn't quite compute. Even though I accept the letter of the law, it's it's right. What, what, do you, do you have a different take on it? I I do have a different take on it, and I I, I completely agree with you on the fact that. It's, why this is so unsatisfying is because cricket is a contest between the, the bowling and fielding side and the batting side. And when a wicket falls that is not due to bowlers, batters and fielders, mm. essentially, that is unsatisfactory. That's why the mancad, where the non-striking yep. batter is run out without the ball even coming into play, is really unsatisfactory. That's slightly different to what to the best of one, because the you, know, you can say with the with the mancad, the backing up player is seeking some sort of unfair advantage. Then you get elements of the bowler trying to slightly hoodwink the batters, which you've seen in s some instances. But it's unsatisfactory regardless because the ball hasn't come into play and it's not a cricketing issue. With this one, again, the ball is essentially completed, mm. so it's not a cricketing dismissal. That's why it's unsatisfactory. But that said, Kerry had the ball for less than a second. Mm. The ball was not complete. The umpire hadn't called over, and if the umpire had started moving, that is an umpiring error in some ways. Mm. You know, it was not it was not finished. Um, and Bairstow moved out of his crease so quickly without looking behind him. It is one of the first things you learn as a kid is don't you know when the umpire says over, it's over. You can leave you can leave your crease. So this whole thing could have been avoided if Bairstow had just been a little more attentive. I think the thing with Bairstow is there's a lot of his batting is about you know he's. Uh, Sort of almost physically dominating the yep. space, and there's an element in which you know he he exudes this 
this very sort of physical confidence at the crease, uh, uh, particularly over the last sort of year and a bit, and in those innings that he played last year, similar situations. Um, so, yeah, it was almost like he was so caught up in that that he just forgot that very basic element of cricket that you know don't leave your crease until the ball is definitely over. Kerry had the ball, threw it straight at the stumps. I have absolutely no issue with the dismissal. I don't think Australia had any obligation to withdraw yeah. it because to me that was a, 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 bat, a batting error but that said it's a really unsatisfying way for a key wicket to fall in the game in terms of the narrative of the game the contest between the sides you don't want key moments decided like that but I don't think it was the fault of the Australians that that, that dismissal happened it was Besto being inattentive and you know the law I don't think however you phrase the law on dead ball um I think that that would still have been out because it was so quick and he moved straight out of his crease. You know, and, you know, per, per, people saying, oh, well, he'd, he'd scratched his foot in the crease. He did it very quickly. And there is absolutely nothing in the laws about yeah, there's I nothing know, in, the your feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. in the laws about the umpire <laughs> shaping to move as if they think the over is is complete. It's quite clear. Really, so it, it, but it just uncorked this kind of another classic example of mm. cricketing, moral sanctimony and uh, and and I don't know aggression and defensiveness, but it did create an incredible atmosphere. It, but it it was it's it certainly soiled the game to the extent that there will always be this sense of you know what would have happened if Bairstow had stayed in, and again we'll never know. He might have had a blazing innings like he did last year. He might have got out straight away, yeah. uh, which might then have, have made a slightly different scenario if 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 certainly Broad wasn't fueled by that indignation. Who knows what effect it had on Stokes? Like I said, I think he'd have batted the same way uh, if Bairstow had fallen in a, in a conventional conventional manner. But it was uh, yeah, it was just it was sort of irritating more yeah. than anything else. But um, yeah, to see the MCC. What was weird about the, the the MCC? And they, they were yeah, they were. It's quite rare to get the the Lords Pavilion um, angry, um, angry. But again, the spirit of cricket. And I think maybe let's let's talk about the spirit of cricket. It is uh, an anagram of sanctimonious horseshit. Uh, near enough. Uh, it's selectively invoked and applied as and when it suits. Ignored when it doesn't. Uh, here are some bullet points in the spirit of cricket as written in the laws. Respect your captain, teammates, opponents, and the authority of the umpires. Now, you know, you can invoke the spirit of cricket about the run out, but what happened afterwards? Do we just forget it then? Um, accept the umpire's decision, ditto. Create a positive atmosphere by your own conduct and encourage others to do likewise. On and off the pitch, that wasn't really happening. Uh, show self-discipline even when things go against you. Well, you know, I mean, these are kind of nonsense things from a different age and not you know, the, the sort of high-octane, emotionally stressful yep. arena of international sport. And you can say it's only sport, but these are the you know, the players playing in it. It's their livelihoods. It's what they define themselves by. So you can't expect these sort of relics of a bygone era to apply in those situations. Uh, but as I said, uh, annoying. Unfair play uh, is uh, that's another part of the, the cricketing law. Again, a slightly nebulous concept. That includes attempts to intimidate batters through fast, short-pitch bowling, of which we saw shitloads <laughs> in this game. And yeah, the relative skill of the bat batters should be, it says the law, should also be taken into consideration. But essentially, all those bouncers are dependent on any batter's fear of physical injury. It's it's now become part of the game, but it's still there in the laws about unfair play. Time-wasting, we've had you know, 11, 12 overs an hour. That's 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 mm. not supposed to happen in unfair unfair play. So I think maybe Chris, it's time to have an interview with the spirit of cricket and find out what the spirit of cricket actually has to say about it. Let's just uh, call it up now. 
This number is unobtainable. <laughs> Your call cannot be answered. <laughs> this number is unobtainable. Your call cannot be answered. He seems to have the same funding as an associate nation. Can't even pay the bill. <laughs> and Andy, just just one little thought from me on it um, is, look, speaking as a fan who wanted England to lose at Lords just a month ago, so so you know, I do not see myself as as, as you know, a died in the wall, jingoistic, land of hope and glory, England fan. It really bothers me that I'm going to have to watch three more tests where the Aussies are going to be. At, I fear the Aussies are going to be at their worst. The England fans are going to be at their worst, and we are just going to hear it talked about and talked about. And I just like I just wish. Australia had won without any of that happening. Yes. And and then we could have Stokes Tunnel or not I'd have loved to have seen that. And then we could have just moved on and talked about like fun stuff like bouncers and helmet changes. <laughs> yes. Well that's that is the annoying thing and yeah when a when a cricket crowd gets something in its head it can often take decades to shift it uh, least, we had yeah. <laughs> we had the same old Aussies always cheating yeah. uh, line that's been coming out even before this incident uh for things that things that bore absolutely no uh no relevance to cheating uh but you know the the memory of the sports fan is long uh exhibit 1 the football rivalry rivalry between crystal palace and brighton which i think goes back to some was it a manager flicking a V sign at the crowd in the early 1970s? Yep. 50 years on, still bitter rivals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Australians haven't forgiven us for body line. I personally haven't forgiven Don Bradman for not walking in the 1946-47 series. We, we have long memories in sport. Uh, but, yeah, it's certainly going to taint the atmosphere, I think. I mean, it's it's always going to be quite drunken and abusive, I think, at a lot of the test grounds. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, well, it, I mean, it was unforgettable at Lord's yesterday uh, and hugely dramatic i just love the idea of a just stop oil protester running on the pitch on the fifth day and if <laughs> not now <laughs> well we saw johnny bairstow carry one off on day one i think ben stokes i don't know might have just He'd picked have him up and him thrown him over <laughs> the mound stand with one flick of his wrist <laughs> hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, so Andy, my Stokes stat, which might not actually be a stat, you might be able to tell me it's wrong, is I think he was involved in the largest ever partnership between two people called Ben in a test match yesterday. <laughs> um, but I think there are probably some more significant stats. 
yes, uh, it's, it will take a little while to, to, to confirm that, but let's assume it's true. And Ben Duckett had a great game, a really irritating game in some ways, that he twice fell really short, uh, just short of a century, 98 yeah. and 83. A couple of nice little Ben Duckett stats uh, for you. Uh, he's only the 10th England player against uh, Australia to get 80 in both innings of a test match mm. and the players who've done it before are some of the all-time greats of England batting Mike Atherton most recently when he yeah. was run out for 99 that still pisses me off 30 years <laughs> later I don't know how he sl- I mean he seems to manage to deal with it but I imagine it still uh, irritates him but every now and again I'll just find myself getting annoyed by Atherton being run out for 99 in 1993 Graham Gooch Jeff Boycott Ken Barrington Dennis Compton Wally Hammond Herbert Sutcliffe, Frank Woolley, and the great Arthur Shrewsbury in 1893. Wow. Those are the only other players with 80 in both innings of a test against Australia, uh, an Ashes test against Australia for, for England. In terms of being out twice within 20 runs of 100 in the same match, uh, he is the eighth England player to suffer that fate uh, as well. On Stokes, it, it was, I mean, it was an extraordinary innings dramatically, and generally as when something extraordinarily dramatic happens there's a lot of stats that fly around with it he reached his century with three sixes but it all happened so fast that mm. people barely even noticed yeah. it. he got to 100 and uh it went from 82 to 100 with three sixes and three balls and if i've crunched the Crickviz data correctly uh, he's the first player um ever to reach 100 with three consecutive sixes in test cricket where they have the ball by ball data available and only uh, there's been very few occasions when a player's even done it with two sixes. Ross Taylor did uh, a, a few years ago against England. Um, 155 in the fourth innings is the highest ever score in the fourth innings by someone batting six or lower. Um, you've got almost half of England's uh, runs in the innings. Again, that was a very high proportion for a middle-order player in the fourth innings. Not quite a record, but it sort of puts in context quite how this game all hung on on him. It was the sixth-highest fourth inning score by anyone in an Ashes test. Nine sixes is an Ashes record, a record for a Lord's Test match by four, a record wow. for any test in England, breaking the eight that Stokes hit in his almost identical Headingley innings four years ago. It's the second time Stokes has hit nine or more sixes in an innings. There's only 14 occasions that's happened. He's got two of them. And the only other player who's done it twice or more, not irrelevantly, is Brendan McCullum. Um, so, again, we've seen that, that philosophy of the mm. coaching team in in a stat um three fourth innings hundreds uh only 14 players have ever done that in test cricket and in the ashes stokes is now on a list that only includes herbert sutcliffe of england great player in the 1920s and 30s in an era of quite flat pitches and don bradman the greatest batter of all time for england uh players with three fourth innings hundreds against anyone just herbert sutcliffe and graham gooch here's one i really liked all of ben stokes's fourth inning centuries in perth in his second test at Headingley four years ago and at Lords yesterday, have been at least 120. There's only one other player in the history of test cricket who scored 120 or more three times in the fourth innings of a test, and that is Yunus Khan of Pakistan, Ooh. who has four such uh, such innings. Uh, in the Ashes, um, only four players have two fourth inning scores of 120-plus. Bradman, Arthur Morris, Jack Hobbs and Herbert Sutcliffe. And that, that's further evidence of... That, that idea that he is, you know, you look at his stats, and his stats are, are good for an all-rounder. Uh, batting average, 36, 37. Bowling average, 31, 32. I can't remember the exact the exact numbers, and, you know, they'll they'll shift a bit by the end of his career, but he's, you know, probably approaching the end of that 
uh, numerically. Uh, good stats, but not the kind of stats that think you think this guy is one of the all-time great cricketers. Mm. But he has done many of the greatest individual feats in the history of cricket. And like I said, I think in terms of playing a situation, there have been very few that have ever been better at it uh, than him. Uh, a couple more uh, things before we wrap up for the day. Um, for the second consecutive tests... Uh, for, the, for the second consecutive test, all four innings have been over 270. Uh, that's the fourth time in the last two summers uh, that we've had a test in England with all four innings over 270. Uh, and we saw the balls last year. Did a bit more early on and a lot less later on this year. They've been fairly stodgy throughout and also flat pitch. Mm. It's been quite a dry summer, which is a factor. But that, that, there'd only been five tests in the previous 50 years in England in which all four innings had been 270-plus, and only nine yeah. ever in England. Uh, only three ever in Ashes tests in England. Uh, Old Trafford, 2005, Lords, 1953, <laughs> and Leeds, 1948, when Australia chased 400 on the last day to win. There have only been nine matches uh, in Australia in the Ashes, where all four innings have been 270-plus, and only three of them post-war and before the war. They played all matches to a finish, and the pitches were very flat to try and drag the games out as long as possible and get, get more ticket money in. So unless it rained, of course, and then the pitches became as spiteful as a drunken MCC member who doesn't fully understand <laughs> the laws of cricket and <laughs> thinks that legitimately, if unsatisfactorily getting an opponent out within the laws of the game is somehow worse than institutional elitism, sexism and racism. But, but there you go. Um, so th this has been a really tough series for the bowlers, which is why we've seen all this uh, this short-pitch bowling. There were more bouncers than ever recorded in the game in the CrickViz database. There's about 700 matches that the ball-tracking data is available for. And bear in mind, these games have featured five of the current top 10 bowlers in the world ranking, seven of the top 16, and the two who, of those top 16 who aren't in the top 10 have at stages in their careers been top five. The four Australian bowlers in this game um, all had 200-plus test wickets coming into this match. That's the first time ever a team has taken the field mm. with four 200-wicket bowlers. Um, Australia had a game in which Cummins, over the winter, passed 200, but no team had started a game mm. with four 200-wicket bowlers. We've got the third, fifth and eighth uh, all-time highest wicket takers, plus Stokes is two wickets off, uh, three wickets off 200. Now Moeen played the first test, he's approaching 200. These are all bowlers who can and have succeeded in all conditions, and they have been neutralised by the pitches and the balls, and hence we've seen this unending diet of uh, of bouncers. Just uh, a couple more things. The extras in this game. We, we look at so many turning points in this game, and obviously the Bairstow run out is one. That period when England... 188 for one, lying off the field, threw away that first innings advantage. The extras, 74 to 39, yeah. 35 run difference. England lost by 43. Now, obviously, some extras are unavoidable, you know, leg buys, mm. um, you know, it's part of the game. But there were 27 buys that, that England uh, let through. That's the most by England for eight years. They're most in an Ashes test since 1934, and third most ever in a home Ashes test. Now, some buys are unavoidable, they're unreachable balls that essentially should be called wide. Australia only conceded nine, and there were quite a few avoidable buys, I think, in this game. 18 no balls to 11. Um, again, England bowled for longer, but still, that that was quite quite an important part of this game, as, mm. as it had been with the no balls in particular at Edgebaston. Uh, and here's something, no five-wicket hauls for either side in these games. Again, that's sort of evidence how the bowlers have had to really graft for their wickets, Um Really, until England uh, were 45 for four in their second innings, we hadn't had a full kind of clatter, certainly of top-order wickets, in this series. It's only the fifth, fifth time in 72 Ashes series 
of, if, of more than one match. I think there was one or two early on that counters Ashes in the 1880s when only one test was played. But it's only the fifth time in 72 Ashes series that neither side has had a five-wicket haul after two tests. Yeah. Uh, that concludes today's Bugle Ashes Zoltz cast. Um, looking ahead to Leeds, well, England have to win. Um, there, not much else needs to be said. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, which teams are picked, if the pitch does anything uh, more, and who, who that suits. Uh, but we have had two phenomenal test matches in different ways, uh, and also in quite similar ways. And, uh, yeah, Australia, 2-0 two, two up. It's looking tough for England. But if any captain can pull this rhinoceros out of the hat, it is Ben Stokes. Uh, join us during the Headingley Test to find out if he can manage it. Uh, thanks to Chris. Thanks to you for listening. May the cricket be with you. Amen. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.